Ever since time began, which is a very long time, mothers and fathers have told stories to their sons and daughters. It's one of those things that families do. Once upon a time, or before you were born, or back when I was a kid, the best family stories begin this way. One night I, I woke up in the middle of a dead sleep um, with a dream that was so vivid and so real that I shot away. The story Yale and Autumn Wall will one day tell their children begins like this. And I reached out to me and I grabbed Autumn and was like, Autumn, wake up! And she's like, what is going on? And I was like, I just had this dream. Like, I saw our kids. It was just so real and so vivid. It, it was almost scary. Stories of Hope is a podcast about people who meet needs and change lives. In this episode, Yale and Autumn Wall began their life together as a childless, sleepless family of two. And I had this dream that there were these, these three kids, and one was kind of like blurred out, 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 it was kind of a weird thing. Like, But I saw these two other kids, and one of them was this cute little girl who had this kind of big nose and these big like chubby cheeks. And the boy that was sitting there, I saw so vividly. Um, and I explained what this kid looked like for five minutes and Autumn jotted down these notes of like, okay, like it was just so specific that it was like, this is crazy. The oddest, most supernatural things always seem to happen in the middle of the night. And that night, the night the walls will one day tell their grandchildren about, Yale was certain he saw the future, specifically and exactly as it would one day become. If that sounds like the beginning to a story too outlandish to be believed, wait until you hear the ending. From Send Relief, this is Stories of Hope, Episode 54, The Story of Us. Everything about Yale and Autumn Wall's story is a surprise. Everything except the location. In Indianapolis, there's 9,000 foster kids in a city of about 800,000 people. So basically, one out of every 100 people is a foster kid. It's no surprise then that a young couple living in a place like that would make the decision that Yale and Autumn made. We thought God was really calling us to not have biological children first, but to adopt first. The story that Yale and Autumn Wall will one day tell their kids and grandkids will begin this way, with a young married couple who could have had biological children but chose to adopt. They'll tell them that, and then they'll tell them about the night when Yale dreamed a dream. God doesn't really speak to me in dreams generally, but it was just so real. We just realized that that night, like everything was different. And then after they tell them that, they'll tell them about Indiana's Department of Child Services, and they'll tell them about the 14 months of paperwork and the interviews and the endless games of phone tag. And then after all that, this is the story they will tell. Sitting at my desk, um, doing random paperwork and my cell phone rings. And the lady on the phone said, um, we have a two-year-old little boy and a baby girl that need a home. Um, are you guys willing? 
My first thought was an infant, like a baby baby. Like when she said infant, I got a little bit nervous. So I hung on the phone and I took a deep breath um, and called Yale. Um, Autumn said, they've got two kids and it's exactly what God was speaking. What do you think? And I instantly knew this is them. This is, these are the kids. I called the lady back and I said, great, what do we have to do? Um, and she said, the baby's in the hospital, but they're having some complications. So can you come pick up um, the little boy? His name is Ben um, and he's going to be at the DCS office later on this afternoon. Um, so we drove down there, terrified, not really sure what to do. and. Um, we pulled into the parking lot and realized that like the car seat was still in the box in yeah. the back seat and we're like, how big is he? Is this the right car seat? <laughs> how do you put I this thing in? Does he know how to strap himself in? And I was like, no, he's two. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what did we get into? <laughs> what are um, we doing? So we're, we're just nervous like that. And we walk in and I remember like kind of scanning the room and looking at this kid and Autumn just goes, that's him. Like, that's him, isn't it? Like, the, the dream I had was so specific, and, like, she knew, like, that was him. And I was like, that's him. We got home, and I remember just looking at him, and looking into his eyes, it was just empty. Uh, he'd just been so, so neglected and so abused that he was lifeless. So then we took him upstairs to put him in his crib and he crawled and screamed to get out of that thing like we were hurting him. Um, we came to find out that he had been left in his crib for days on end. Um, and so that first night we slept downstairs and Autumn slept on the couch and I slept in a recliner and he laid on top of me for half the night and laid with Autumn for the other half. And um, instantly something shifted in him. He just, he had this look of like, I know you saved me. They told us to call back the next day to find out um, the status on the baby and what we were gonna do there. So we called back the next morning and she said, I think you're good to go. So uh, we went into the hospital and there was Ellie. And um, this is probably the moment I think of all that I will never forget. I panicked, <laughs> to be honest. Cause I was like, what now, now what, what do we do? Do we feed her? Do we change her? Do we, what, what are we, how do, what are we supposed to do? She's so little, like, can we pick her up? I don't know what to do. And um, we had seen a bunch of people from the church that had come over to support us, but watching our life group just in that moment surround us um, and be an encouragement to us. And then also just surrounding the kids in that moment um, was a really awesome. Kids, like, every time we did anything with church, everyone was all over being a part of that. Yeah. Um, I think that's a part of what makes church such an amazing thing and yeah. it's being a part of, of the church as a whole is so huge is that you don't do it alone. So October 3rd, 2017, uh, we walked into a courthouse with our kids who've been foster kids for a year and a half at that point, it was two years. But they just asked our kids, who do you want to be your parents? And they both said us. And it was just it was an incredible thing. Yeah. Just to see what God did through all that was, was amazing. And we thought that, you know, that's the end of our adoption story. It's great to see what God did. But we got a phone call on adoption day um, from the kid's caseworker. And she said, Hey guys, uh, congratulations on the adoption. By the way, um, just got a tip that Ben and Ellie's birth mom is pregnant again. 
And she said, would you guys be willing to take the baby if there's a baby sometime in the future? And obviously we prayed about it, but really the biggest thing was we remembered back to Yale's dream where he clearly saw Ben and there was a little girl with chubby cheeks and then there was another one. Two months later, we were in the hospital meeting our baby girl. Yeah, so we were um, standing in the room holding um, Kaylee and uh, the we were talking to the lawyer. He was there with us and he had told us that um, their mom, when he told her that it was us, he said that she just broke down weeping in the hospital room um, and asked to see us. Um, and yeah, it was a really great moment. Um, we were able to kind of give her an update on Ben and Ellie and how they had been doing um, and show her some pictures of them. And we got to share the gospel with her um, there and just talk about Jesus and how much he loves her. Um, she said, well, how could you love me with everything I've done? And we just got to say, look, he loves you so much enough to intervene in your life. And God loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. And she just broke down. And she said, do you really think that God can love me even with all the things that I've done and all the ways that I've messed up and all the hurt that I've caused? Do you really think he can love me that much? Like, I can't fathom that. And so I said, absolutely, he loves you. And she's just emotional and weeping and crying. And um, so I explained to her what it means to give your life to Jesus and what it means to walk in freedom. And kind of talked through all of that briefly and, and quickly. And she told me, she said, I, I want to do that. I want, I want, I want this. I remember when we first went into this whole foster care thing, a good friend of ours who had adopted kids out of foster care, he said, you know what you're doing right now? And I was like, what? He's like, you're not just helping a kid, you are taking an entire generation back from the enemy. And it was just so cool to see how God's hand in this was not just for these kids, but it was for an entire family to transform what was happening in a place where the enemy was having his way. This has been Stories of Hope from Send Relief. Today's episode, The Story of Us. In 2019, Yale and Autumn started a church called Living Faith in downtown Indianapolis. If you'd like to learn more about their work there, you can visit them at livingfaithindy.com. Right now in the U.S., there are more than 400,000 children in the foster care system. You and your church can help meet their needs and change their lives. For practical tips on how to do so, go to sendrelief.org. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to Stories of Hope. You'll automatically get a new episode every two weeks. Go to Apple or Spotify podcasts and search for Stories of Hope. And finally, if you liked what you heard here, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find us and enjoy these stories too. And join us in two weeks for another episode of Stories of Hope.